Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on this occasion, I am joined by two good Wraith boys, born and true. Is that that's, that's almost that, that's almost a saying. <laughs> that's almost a saying. Andy Harrow. Hello. And Sean McGuigan. Jesus that's fuck. Right. Hello. <laughs> so it's, it's like it's like uh, it's like Joe Sked's looking after us tonight. <laughs> No idea what's happened there. Uh, I, I would, I'm tempted to start that again, but fuck it, we'll just press ahead. Because we're in, we're, I'm in a happy mood. Uh, Scotland are no longer quite as shite as football uh, as the last time that I appeared on this podcast. And I didn't even, yeah, I wasn't even on last week's one, so I didn't have, uh, I wasn't given the opportunity to vent. Uh, there's been a bit of a, a kind of mixed kind of reaction in the group chat to kind of last Friday show where Duncan Mackay especially was very negative about Scotland and I think it's been said by maybe others that maybe like overly negative given the circumstances but I fucking hated that Israel game I wanted it to burn in hell and considering that or actually we get on to the fact that Israel might actually not be as bad as they looked but you know Israel's results up until last night didn't look any good and I still thought we had a, a team that they should have been beating them easily but since then things have got a, a, quite a bit better second half uh, the performance overall against Slovakia was pretty good uh, especially second half but there was also the caveat as well of Slovakia for whatever reason uh, making nine changes for that game so I think that might have disrupted then so I was like okay let's not get too carried away with ourselves but then we go and beat Czech Republic and while we certainly rode our luck at times I think everybody's now a lot more positive that 
this team is at the very least headed in the right direction. And if we could put in a similar performance away to Serbia and we can get a wee bit of luck shining on, on us in that game as well, that we could finally, finally make it to an international tournament. I uh, so I, I sent you a I sent you a message last night before the game saying just reading a load of comments from after the Slovakia game. Uh, thought I'd send this just in case you think I'm trying to be wise after the event, but I do think people are getting a wee bit too far ahead of themselves. And then five minutes later, when Scotland went one 0 up, I went just pretend I never sent you that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I, I think it still stands a wee bit. And so my so I I think Scotland's moving in the right direction. I still think I still think it might be baby steps though. If you so if you take this group overall and you and you include the semi final against Israel. But let's start let's start after the Slovakia game. So what I was a wee bit concerned about was a lot of the stuff I was reading online was, oh I would we're definitely we're definitely going places here. But bear in mind we'd been a penalty shootout away three or day, three or four days before. And if that had went the opposite way everybody would have been losing their minds and saying that Clark should have been out the door. At half-time in the Slovakia game, they, they weren't saying too many positive things either. And just those those final 45 minutes, which were considerably better, I, I, I thought we were in danger of getting a wee bit carried away. If you look at the group overall, we drew one all with Israel, and I thought we were pretty poor. We went to Czech Republic and played their B team, and we're very lucky to win, but one. I, I appreciate that. We then played Israel again and beat them on penalties. That could have went... And I know it's, if your auntie had boys, should be your uncle. Uh, Slovakia, we were better, I thought, in the second half. But the Czech Republic... Sorry, Slovakia, as you say, Slovakia dropped about eight players for that game. So we we eked out a win against Slovakia's kind of reserve side. And then against the Czech Republic, I mean, it's unusual for a team to miss one guilt edge chance which they did in the first half to then miss two with another sitter in the second half I mean I, I, I thought we rode our luck so so yes I think we're absolutely moving in the right direction I were missing a lot of players but I, I, I I'm, I'm not getting ahead of myself is what I'm suggesting here no I I, uh, I was similar to, I felt similar to, to Duncan um, after the Israel game I think I listed every single player in that WhatsApp group at one point and said you know I think I said most of them are shite and then there was I think I said John McGinn was alright and Andy Robertson and I think I don't think anyone else escaped I think Lyndon Dykes I said it was fine uh, everyone else uh, I, I could have happily got shot off I, I, I think I think the difference for me is that that looked more like a a Steve Clark team last night for parts of it I think uh, and, and then I guess for uh, parts of the, the game earlier in the week was that or the, at the weekend in that I think what everyone kind of expected Steve Clark to do is to make the best of a fairly average lot. You know, we've got a few decent players in midfield. We've got about nineteen decent left backs, and then not a lot else up till up till Dykes coming in. Um, and I think that's what, what people thought that Clark would do. That maybe previous managers haven't done, and, and make the best of a sort of average set of team. You know, we look at what O'Neill had done with Northern Ireland and I think that was what people expected Clark to do and to be honest I don't think the what he's offered so far up until the last the last few days I don't think what that team had offered really suggested any of that I think it didn't really seem like we were getting the Steve Clark that had uh, done such a good job at Kilmarnock with you know limited resources we weren't really creating anything at all 
didn't look especially good at the back. We weren't, you know, we weren't conceding loads, but we didn't look especially great. The formation was kind of weird and didn't really wasn't really a Steve Clark formation either, and it seemed to kind of go against what we expected them to do. And then, and maybe maybe it's because they're up against better teams, and you know, Scotland have got a history of looking better against better teams. You know, we kind of play down to the level of the other jobbers that we usually have in our groups and we, we tend to because the expectations are a bit lower and all we generally have to do is defend a wee bit and occasionally counter attack we tend to do alright against the, the big teams and there was maybe an element of that that, that we were playing slightly better teams certainly against the Czech Republic they were they were a decent outfit and, and the fact that we we just we did look a bit more like a Steve Clark team you know, we looked more organised the players looked like they knew better what they were doing but we also caused a lot more of a threat, certainly in the first half on the counter-attack. Uh, we finally had some sort of relationship up front uh, between Dykes and Fraser. And there, there was more of that DNA with a kind of what you would expect from the, the manager uh, and a, a team that he's put out there. And I think I think that had a lot to do with it. But as Sean said, and I think one thing, in fact, I think what both of you said is true, that there's... There are a lot of holes. If you, if you, you know, it wouldn't take a lot for this to all collapse again, and for us to, you know, to hump by Serbia and then lose the the other two games in this group because we're not, you know, we're not great. But I think that that was the first time that last night or Wednesday night that I felt like we were maybe greater than the sum of our parts. So yeah, see the thing that that most encouraged me about the Czech Republic game was that for Israel and Slovakia. I, I watched those games and thought that far and away the most encouraging thing was play the back three. Certainly the Israel game. Mm-hmm. I thought the back three was the best component of the team. It might even have been the best part of the team at the Slovakia game as well. But the the game against the Czechs, I, I genuinely thought, right, okay. So the back three's worked again and I've been pretty impressed with them. And actually the front three, certainly playing on the counter, Dykes, Fraser and McGinn, I thought worked I thought worked really well. I mean, I maybe not so much in the second half, uh, but in the first half we created chances. Fraser had that one that he, he kind of blazed over the bar and probably should have got on target. But now it, it, I did feel for the for the Czech Republic game that at the kind of either side of the park now we probably have decent units and it's maybe getting the best out of what's in between. Whereas previously we thought, right, well, we've got a lot of central midfielders that are fine. It's just the centre halves and some strikers that we need. I, I don't know if we've kind of went the other way now, but but the the, the good thing is there's still a lot of players to come back in. That's that's obviously going to help you. Well, that's that then throws up interesting questions for Steve Clark, doesn't it? Going into to the games next month, is it? Does anyone know is it the playoff game first or the Nations League games? Playoff game first. So our next game is the Serbia game. So we get a lot of players back. Do you bring them in? Who do you who do you drop uh, I, out? I, I, I tell you what, I wouldn't I wouldn't change that back three. I think Sean's right that uh, they they were the most. I don't I don't think they were. Uh, let me the let me just let me just clarify for anybody listening who is unaware. <laughs> you you're saying that you wouldn't change a back three of Scott McTominay, Declan Gallagher, and Andy Considine. Now I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong, Andy. I just wanted yeah, that yeah. sentence to be said out loud. Anyway, Paul Han and Paul Hanlon at left wing back. <laughs> No, we can change that. <laughs> no, I, no I, I think the the thing is though that that it's, it's it's something that we've we've wanted for a long time. It's gone, and who's to say how long this lasts? Maybe it does explode in uh, Serbia. But having a having a th- 
you know, a defence that actually looks fairly sturdy. Yeah, Czech Republic missed a couple of good chances and they should have scored last night. But on the whole, those three have been have worked well as a as a group. Um, they've kind of worked well with Marshall as well. You know, people like Gallagher who maybe had rougher games in the past, and McTominay certainly all of a sudden look like they know what they're doing. I, th- I thought Considine was excellent uh, the other night. I thought he, that was that was probably as the the best of the two games. I thought he was he was brilliant, and I think you could bring in you know Tierney for instance if you if you brought him into that instead of Considine, he's a good enough player, and he's playing in a similar formation that I'm sure it wouldn't do any harm. But I think. If I was Steve Clark, there's a there's an element of it where you you would want to keep consistency in that back three. Those three have now had a couple of games together where they've got used to what each one's doing. They've kind of learned a few mistakes from from previous games, and, and, and you know against the Czech Republic they kept a clean sheet. Ultimately, you know between them and Marshall, uh, they stopped the Czechs with a wee bit of fortune. But you know the, this wasn't them playing in Israel. You know Israel got a couple of decent strikers as well, but aren't a very good team. This this was a team that were on the front foot for 45 minutes against us last night and they, they held them off. So I don't think, you know, if Tierney comes in, I won't be for Considine. It's, it's not one of those things that you're going to, you're going to be furious about or can't understand it, but I genuinely think there's a, I think there's an argument to be made that you, you keep for those three. Sean, let me ask you, and again, let me just spell this out one more time because I can't believe I'm going to ask this question. Should Kieran Tierney be sitting on the bench for the Serbia game? Arsenal's Kieran Tierney. £20 million of Kieran Tierney. Because he can't get ahead of Anzi Considine. Uh, Kieran Tierney will start against... Uh, he'll start against Serbia, definitely. I think... Because yeah, uh, then back at the centre. Or left wing back, actually. <laughs> Andy Robertson on the pitch. <laughs> I tell, I tell you who I wouldn't bring back. I wouldn't be bringing back McKenna. I certainly wouldn't be interested to see no. him back in playing no, centre no. half for Scotland at any point in the near future. Uh, I, I would prefer it if Tierney was in there. I mean, unless he wants to play, unless he wants to play Tierney on the right, which he, he obviously doesn't. So I'm I'm quite happy for Tierney to come in there. Is but, there a, is there a, a, an argument to be made that Considine would actually make more sense in a kind of uh, what would will assume to be a probably a backs to the wall performance in Serbia. And I, I, th- I think I think as well, given I mean Serbia's main striker is Mitrovic, isn't he? I mean, not that I know much about the Serbian national team, but Considine is a bit more of a. I, I quite like the the fact that they were th- just three big galoots that just kind of headed the ball away. Like I you know, there was something quite un or was deconstructed or whatever. But it was it was it was quite pleasant and kind of old school to just have three. Solid centre halves, and no, you know we didn't have a ball playing guy in there particularly. Although McTominay was maybe supposed to be, but I, I quite liked it. We just had folks that would just get in front of the ball and head the thing away. The, the rational, the rational part of my brain says that probably Detlin Gallagher should drop out because he's not having a very good season. But every time he plays for Scotland, barely puts a foot wrong. He, he had a wee, I thought he had like maybe a wee shaky five minutes in the first half, but generally speaking. That's about the only that's about the only time he's looked shaky and he's four or five caps now. And that's what we've been saying quite a lot as well, that we kind of need to instill like a, a club team mentality at the national level. And if you're gonna do that, it doesn't really make any sense to drop out guys who in your last game have been playing well. But when you have somebody like a couple of players I mean McKenna 
I could see McKenna maybe staying on the bench just because, like, because of what I said. Clark won't want to change it up too much just for the sake of it. And and Scotland jerseys can't really say that McKenna's performed a whole lot better than Gallagher. But it just seems mental that he would leave it Kieran Tierney uh, for Andy Considine, even though, <laughs> like, if we're wanting that club team, you know, mentality, then he probably should because at club level, even if you even if you have got a star and you've got like a and you've got another defender who's played well for three games and you've kept three clean sheets, you probably would keep your star on the bench until you concede. Um, but there's no but, you, but it, it, like, it's different for like say a league game. Well, you, you, you play 30. I was just about to say that. Maybe in a maybe if you were playing in like, like a someone. European Cup final, you would maybe bring back your star for that. Certainly what to think about. But, but that's, that's the kind of mad thing about it, though, is that if he does start with that three that played the other night, it's not going to have folk sort of up in arms about it. That's, that's the strange thing about it. That the folk would understand why he, played, he started with those three. We would have made the chicken, obviously. Well, aye. <laughs> but... But before the game, though, that would be <laughs> on paper. Look, right. What I would change for definite is obviously the, the left wing back, but I thought Greg Taylor was okay, but not, not particularly special. And obviously, Robertson will come back anyway. But I think you did notice that, especially in the second half, that that was, not, that was an area that kind of the Czech Republic were getting a bit of, bit of joy down, and then especially when Hanlon came on. Um, and Stephen O'Donnell had a decent couple of games. I'd still rather have Liam Palmer there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, probably, I think Liam Palmer's looked all right in the in the Aye. past as well. And I think I think O'Donnell is, it has had a couple of really ropey games uh, for Scotland in the past. Although it, it was nice to see that he had a couple of decent ones. So there's interesting decisions up front to be made as well because it now looks like we've actually got a partnership that seems to function fairly well together. They they weren't you know completely destroying either Slovakia or the Czech Republic, but there was certainly promise from Lyndon Dykes and Ryan Fraser together. I think it helps to have Dykes alongside somebody like Fraser rather than Ollie McBurney, who's you know maybe a, a little bit too similar to Dykes. But there's a, other options there. So if that's the case, does Ryan Christie come back at the team? If Lee Griffiths plays regularly for Celtic between now and next month, does he come into the team? I, I, I don't think he'll change anything. I don't think he'll change anything for that front three, I think they are. And bad an injury, I think they are. I think they're nailed on now. I mean... It, it, it seems unlikely that their that their understanding would would get so much better after just a couple of games, but I it kind of felt like it was like they, they seemed fairly they seemed fairly harmonious. I thought McGinn, I thought McGinn complimented them well last night, and, and the, the only I thought the only the only thing that hampered them last night, and I kind of understood why because the Czech Republic had so much of the ball, was that it wasn't in terms of going forward. It was it was pretty much. Those three, and that was pretty much it. I mean, I O'Donnell got forward when he could, and uh, I've forgotten his name. A left back got forward when he could, Taylor. Uh, but they didn't like in terms of delivering anything in the final third. They struggled to do so. So it was. It was almost like right, us seven will defend, and you three do what you can uh, up top. And we put that to work with. I, I thought they did cause the Czech Republic a, a bit of trouble, especially in the first half. And then when they had to drop deep in the second, they, they kind of defended pretty well. And then when McBurney come on, he McBurney just hates that crossbar. Just every time he comes on, he almost snaps the crossbar in half. But again, even you know, even the two substitute appearances that he's had in his last two games, he he's kind of he's kind of looked a wee bit more of the part, I suppose, than we've than we've previously thought. <laughs> Damn it, I'm a faint praise there. I think. <laughs> 
I looked a wee bit more of the part, I suppose. No, you know something, he looked. There's, there's players that have played in the last couple of years that are even going back a wee bit further, and you think to yourself, I'm not entirely sure if he wants to be here or if he's up for it. Now, with McBurney, it was, it was more obvious because he was literally caught on camera saying, I hate going away on Scotland duty or whatever it was. And maybe maybe he was just saying it to show off or, or whatever, I, I don't know. Uh, but even Ryan Fraser, he sometimes felt that he didn't really look like he was particularly keen on being involved, but then you hear him getting interviewed and then I, I just thought Burnley looked like he was mere, McBurney was looked a bit more up for it. And certainly Fraser has last two games. Mm-hmm. Fraser looks very much up for it. Maybe maybe it's because they're now 90 minutes away for your tournament. They think to themselves, right, I, I really need to... I really need to demonstrate something here because I want to get in that, that final 24 for a tournament. I, I don't know. But certainly, there, there looks like there's more of a, uh, a wee bit more gallusness about us, I suppose. You say you wouldn't change things and you don't think Steve Clark will. I don't think Steve Clark will necessarily change the front three either. I think he'll go with the, the same with the kind of thought of bringing Christie and Griffiths off the bench if we need something. But I do wonder whether trying to get a tune out of the midfield too whether in this formation, I think it would maybe suit to have Ryan Christie go into the starting 11. This is more kind of a long-term thing rather than just a Serbian match. Ryan Christie going to start 11 at number 10 and drop McGinn back to number 8, where McGinn can can kind of get involved in the attack and certainly can still score goals and help create things. But he's obviously, he's also kind of known for that tenacity that he's got, his ability to, to drive the ball forward from deep. And we're still not seeing a whole lot out of... Carl McGregor or, <laughs> or Ryan Jack. No, I, I, thought, was, I, I thought Jack was fine. Jack I was, was okay. I, th- I thought he, I thought he played. I, I wasn't convinced of him in any of his other recent performances for Scotland, but I actually thought he played pretty well against the Czech Republic. Um, McGregor's the McGregor's the one that I think is still the the weak link in that team in terms of I couldn't really. I'm sure he was fine, but I couldn't really tell you what he did uh, against the Czech Republic. He worked, hard, he worked hard defensively and he ah. made square passes. I mean, I, I, think, I think the kindest thing you can say about McGregor is he he very rarely gives the ball away, which I suppose when you're under pressure, that's what you need. But in terms of his, uh, in terms of what he did with those passes, they, they were all very safe. It's not as if he was unlocking defences or, or doing anything particularly clever or, or creative with it. It was all just as you say, kind of sideways passes and, and keep it very simple. And I suppose that there, there is an element that, that, that you require that, but I, I it got to like about the, I don't know, about the 60th minute last night. And it occurred to me that I had never heard his name mentioned. <laughs> I'd never heard his name mentioned in ages. And I, I don't, I mean, I, people that people that can read a game significantly better than me could maybe, might be able to watch Callum McGregor and say, well, he actually done that, that and that, and, and that's why he deserves to have his 20-odd caps of Scotland, I don't know, but I I, I just think games pass him by. And I, or, or, I'm, or I'm not noticing stuff that he does. No, I think that's fair. It's, it's just... I, I just can't remember. I can't even remember him having a good game for Scotland. Sean, you watch the Tartan Army more closely than I do. Have you, can you remember him having a good game? No, uh, did, did they not? Uh, did he not score? Did he score for Scotland in Slovenia or Slovakia when we we needed to win and we drew two two? Did he score that night? Maybe, uh, and and that was towards the end of Strachan's tenure. I, I, I think he might have had a decent game about then, but I, I I just think generally he is 
generally is anonymous. Yeah, he's get he's getting to the point where he's actually deleting all his good performances for Celtic from my mind as well. I'm getting to the point where I actually don't think he's any good for anybody. I mean, like I've seen him, I've seen him be good for Celtic, but I, I, all I can think of now is I'm just being totally anonymous for Scotland, and I'm in, in my head now. That's all he's done for Celtic as well is just occupy the pitch. Sean, he definitely didn't score in that uh, two all away draw at Slovenia because he's never scored for Scotland. Well, do you know something? I was adamant he had. Well, there you go. He's, he's been anonymous for every one of his caps. 24 caps, zero goals. That was wrong. He, he, he will end up with about 60 caps uh, and uh, just his highlights reel. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be him like celebrating somebody else's goal. That'll be him. Keep the ball in the corner. <laughs> I win a, win a free kick in the 93rd minute or something. So I guess it's safe to say that we're all more confident about our chances against Serbia than we were like immediately after the Israel game. How much more confident would you say? I, I absolutely. I mean, we are now we're now stuffy, and we're very, but it looks like we're very very difficult to beat because we've now went 12 months without losing, albeit. We haven't exactly been playing the juggernauts of the international game in that time, but I would we, we don't uh, we don't concede too many chances, never mind goals. So I expect us to go to Serbia and do pretty much the same. Uh, looking at Serbia's results, they've uh, they seem to have went backwards as well, which fills me away, which fills me away a bit of hope. So I think we'll go there and give them a game. I think the fact that they are do Serbia get get crowds in. Is it restricted crowds or, or none at all? I'm not entirely certain, but it's, it's not going to be. It's, it's likely you think that I might know. <laughs> it's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be jumping at the seams. I think if they'd, I think going to Serbia with a full stadium would would have been a lot harder. So no, I, uh, I think we've got a decent chance actually. If, if you look back at Serbia's results, they've not they've not beaten they've not beat a, a team of of kind of their standard for for quite a while now. So they, they seem to be going backwards. Uh, I think we've got a decent shout. Andy? Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so as well. I, I, uh, I still think we will probably lose, but I think... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think we probably will, but, but, you know, they did, ultimately, they did beat Norway to get here, and I think everyone thought Norway would be the team that we'd, we'd end up playing. So they... And if it was at Hamden, I think I'd feel differently. I think even even with nobody at Hamden, I feel like we are a bit more comfortable in our surroundings there. Um, but I think it will be close. I think I think the 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 interesting thing will be how that game plays out. Whether whether we I think it was against Czech Republic. We were kind of on the front foot for that first half, and I think that's partly because we were at home for that one, um, and we. We maybe saw it as a bit of a 50-50 shot. It'll be interesting to see whether or not we sit back too early in that one. I think that, that might be our undoing if we decide to just sit back and try and soak up pressure because we don't really have a lot going forward and I think uh, we need to be able to to kind of put them under a wee bit of pressure in that first half to kind of make them think they're actually in a game. Uh, otherwise, I think we might end up in a situation like the Czech Republic game where we're... we're um, Holding on from early on, and I, I, I don't know if we'll get quite so lucky with the, the chances. What, uh, what, what, what would be interesting is we, the, the way we set up, uh, and I know we went a goal down to Israel and then equalised through a penalty. I, I think the way we set up, if we concede first, then I, I think it becomes very difficult. 
So I, I think if we were to go to Serbia and concede early, then then I would, would really that's, trust. That's still the, the reservations I have with us. There was signs um, against the Czech Republic that the front three kind of work well, but the attack as a whole, to me, still doesn't function very well as a unit. And I think there was evidence across the whole 300 minutes of football that we've seen Scotland play that, that they're still they're still lacking at that end of the park. And if we go a goal down, I would put kind of any sum of money on us mm-hmm. not getting back into that game without some sort of freak thing happening, like an unjust penalty or somebody getting stupidly sent off. Even then, I wouldn't even back us to break them down. Two men getting sent off. Maybe two Serbia players fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> Including the goalie. And the goalie Graham, and the sub-goalie. The Serbian answer to Graham Hogg and Craig Levine. Yeah, on, pretty on much. The plus side, on the plus side, we are now the most clinical team in the world. So I think mm. in the last three games, we've had seven shots on target. They've all went in. Five penalties and <laughs> two goals. <laughs> Exception. What team? We're going to the Euros, boys. <laughs> right, before we move on to the Bedford, anything else to add about Scotland? Uh, no. Cool. No. Right, Bedford Cup action took place midweek, group stage games. Every single match was on Tuesday night. The televised game was Hearts Reserves against Race Rovers, where I've got a couple of Race fans here. I'm wearing my Hearts top. And he's got pumped, basically pumped off a reserve team by a bunch of wee laddies and Craig White up front. How does it feel? <laughs> Roundies, tricks. The, the least surprising scorer in that game. I, mean, I, I, I think Craig Cairns brought it up every time, basically kind of retweeted it in the WhatsApp group every time, I met, every time he scored. There was no way in hell Craig White wasn't scoring in that game. I, I mean, I barely count the first two uh, because they were both penalties. And even the third one, he got away with it because both our centre halves were, were in thin ice. But um, it was a, I mean, it was a pretty boring game, wasn't it? It wasn't. It wasn't especially exciting. It was from. I don't know. I don't know how much you would have learned, Craig, as a as a Hearts fan from that one. As a as a Rovers fan, I learned that. Uh, what did I learn? That Alan Tate's quite good. Aye, but then we kind of knew that already. Yeah, I mean, knew that Benedictus and Davo have kamikaze moments in them. Uh, although they were a bit, ben was a bit unfortunate, especially with the first penalty. Um, you know that. Uh, I mean, one of the good things was that Vaughn came by. That that was one of the the real plus points that he uh, he made an appearance off the bench. I think that the only the only person that was a was a surprise for me was maybe Duku up front. I know uh, Sean and my brother had talked about him. Uh, we've got a kind of separate chat about Rovers games, and they hadn't been very complimentary about him in the the game on Saturday. I think that's safe to say, Sean, isn't it? And uh, see on see on Saturday against East Fife, he in the very first minute he outpaced the the East Fife defence, uh, but he, he couldn't get a shot away. And I was like, oh, geez, oh, this boy is this boy's rapid. This is encouraging. For the next 86 minutes, everything bounced off him. His, his first touch was terrible. He made the wrong decisions. He couldn't link with Tate, who was playing behind him. And I was like, this boy is absolutely rotten. And then he uh, sent a rasper uh, into, the, <laughs> into the top corner in the 87th minute. And, and he won the penalty as well. I, I don't know if it was a penalty, though. But literally, in, probably in between the first minute and the 87th, he done very little right. But uh, I was m- much more impressed with him against mm. uh, against Hearts. He, 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 I think Joel. It was Joel that mentioned that actually that he was he was very much being talked through the game, uh, literally talked through the game. So I, I think he's uh, 
I think his raw would be uh, would be how I would describe him. But there is, I, I'm encouraged by him. That goal, yeah, was, uh, the goalkeeper was out of position. I thought, but it was still a, still a brilliant strike. Yeah, it, it was. It was almost the other two bits that I thought were were actually more encouraging in a way. Like the, the shot was good, but you know. That, that's something that somebody that's not not particularly good could, could replicate once in, once in a blue moon uh, and you might never get that from, from him for the rest of the season but the, the two th- things I thought were, were a lot more promising were um, I think in the first half he took on Haring down the right hand side I think the ball just went out of play uh, when he cut it back to Tate but that showed, I mean, it was sort of all right close control, it was quite a tight area that he was in uh, took on Haring who's obviously a Decent centre half, quite physical, um, quite a smart defender. Uh, managed to just about beat him. Uh, so he had a bit of confidence. A, a wee bit of his close control was okay. And then there was a, there was another one where he kind of, I think, laid on for somebody in the end of the first. We're going to have to interject to, to your bigging up of Peter Haring as a centre half, considering he's barely played there since he turned up at Edinburgh, and he's, this is his first time he's completed ninety minutes since like <laughs> well, fair enough. February two thousand nineteen or something. I've got to take based the on, positives where I can. Based, based on Tuesday evening, he looked inferior to Fernando Mendy. He's a midfielder once he gets his uh, dynamism back. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's he going to take time. Uh, Wendy was doing Cruyff turns on the edge of his own box. Twice he's done it. You know, yeah, what? Which is great. But if he's going to do that twice a game for the rest of the season, he's going to get coy. I think from a Hearts perspective, what well, not just this match, because it was, as we've said, it was a kind of reserve team, but the kind of Betfred campaign as a whole, it's kind of pointed to Hearts not quite being as good as I thought they were going to be. I still think they've got more than enough to, to stroll the championship. But I did think that the early signs were quite promising on Hearts being a team that could give some Premiership teams a real go in the Cups and maybe advance quite far. I'm not too sure about that. It kind of depends. I still think Hearts might be better than, or at least no worse than, six clubs in the top flight. The bottom six, basically, who I think are all complete dog shit at the moment. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Kelly, Levy, I think both of them could quite easily beat Hearts uh, the way things are going at the moment and I was starting to get quite confident about the semi-final that Hearts could pull an upset do what Hibs did to Hearts the last time but the more I'm seeing uh, this Hearts team I'm more thinking yeah it's not going to happen we never know Boyce wasn't playing um, and I still think they've yet to settle on what the best midfield two is uh, playing behind Walker or Naismith as a number 10 so right let's move on to some other games uh, Basically, Sean, you've done the most research out of all of us, so you you can pick where you want to go next. I have I have seen I, I have watched limited the, the limited highlights that are available. I have watched them. Uh, I did manage to see Brora. The only thing I know about Brora and Cove is that Bjorn Wagner scored for Brora. That is not a name you expect to be scoring for a, a Highland League team. Uh, I did manage to see Forfar versus uh, Hibs. Uh, they Hibs did not look good. Now. I, 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 Tony would have been the best man for this, but I, I didn't really understand what Tony was describing when he was watching this match on Tuesday night. There, there appeared to be somebody trying to sell drugs in the comments. <laughs> it, was, it was far more exciting than any of the highlights. Yeah. I don't think Tony mentioned the game at any point. It was mainly just a YouTube comments, wasn't it? <laughs> 95% YouTube comments, 5% actual football. But didn't he said that there was he said that there was a Jordy commentating on the game and he said that did, did he not mention that the Jordy said, the Jordy commentator said, and 
Dodge runs after the ball and he's losing his hairline. Like, is that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that isn't something you would normally associate with a commentator saying. Mm. And, and in fairness terms, it was a kind of. I mean, they should be probably doing better against a, a League One side, yeah, regardless, but it was a bit of a makeshift side for Hibs. They brought in a number of different players because obviously there's Hanlon's away on international duty now to go along with Portis, Marciano, and maybe some others, and Nisbet, uh, Nisbet as well. Uh, so there was quite a number of changes. Um, and Nisbet, Nis- Nisbet came on. It was only really. Hibs, Hibs controlled for. Oh, yeah, so he was. I, thought, I don't know why I thought Nisbet was away from Scotland. He was on the bench. He, I mean, Hibs controlled the first the first half, but didn't create very much at all. Uh, the second half, Forfar came into it and started to create their own half chances, but never really troubled. And then Nisbet had a header that came back off the bar. And then the game just appeared to have been drifting towards uh, towards penalties. And then David Gray, uh, David Gray kind of headed home at the at the back post, and he looked really happy, like he had for a for a Premiership team to be disposing of a, a League One side. He had quite a Quite, a, quite an aggressive uh, celebration, actually. He looked really, really chuffed with himself. I think he's just happy that he's got a game, to be honest, because it, it does look like... I'm not trying to be kind of facetious, I think David Gray is kind of coming to the end of his career, maybe even slightly more rapidly than, than Darren McGregor is, and I think he's moving more over to that coaching side. He, his legs, he has, in fairness to, to Gray, if you compare him to like Stevenson and, and Hanlon, he has had a lot of injury problems during his career. So it wouldn't make sense that he would kind of slow down first. Uh, so to to just pretend that he's playing Rangers again and that was like a, a similar scenario to to May 2016, maybe that's what he was doing. He just closed his eyes and he he, he pictured the uh, first day that was Hamden. It, it did not look like Hamden. Can uh, I, I uh, can I ask it because I, I haven't seen it? Was there any highlights of the Queen of South game? Because for me, they are the team I'm most fascinated about in the championship this year. Was I, none, I, I was looking for all the highlights this morning, and their their game was not there. And the only games that were added today was uh, Stranraer versus Albion Rovers, which I watched, and Alloa versus Edinburgh. So there was nothing from. There's nothing with Dun United Kelty, but Mickey Mellon, I don't think he seems to be very popular anymore. No, because that is, I was looking at the team to see, okay, have they made a number of changes? Not really. That looks like a, with the exception of Shankland, that looks, and then the, the goalkeeper, that looks like fairly close to United's strongest 11 there, or at least what Mickey Mellon would think it would be. Maybe, you know, Chalmers instead of Pollitt, but other than that, it's. Did, did McNulty play? No, uh, no, he didn't, and he wasn't even on the bench. Because I, 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 I think he's suggesting that McNulty and Shankland will start. Uh, will, will start on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, McNulty may have been on the bench. There's a number twenty-five here on the Google uh, team lines. It doesn't have a name, so I'm unsure of Mark Remulty's taking number twenty-five. Yeah, no, that's Kai Fotheringham. Your guess is as good as mine. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Google, Google doesn't even recognise him as a human. <laughs> I did watch, I did see Peter Head versus Brecon, and my uh, initial thoughts are that Brecon will finish bottom of League Two. Mm. They look. They're, they're honking, aren't they? They're really yeah, bad. They're in that, League that, One, are they not? Brecon? No. Oh, Brecon, sorry, 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 sorry. Like, although their, their performance wasn't the worst thing about it, it's the fact that, that Peter Head still play, uh, is, it, is it Carnival de Paris when they score a goal? So, was that the song from France 98 or right? yeah, still, still, still play I, 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 I can't remember if Peter Head I'm like, if Peter Head scored 3 or 4 here I'm, 
and, and so they, they, they play the song and then they have the replay and then I hear it again I'm going to have to listen to this four times uh, but thankfully it, it was they, so it was 3-1 they, they didn't they didn't play it after the third goal thankfully which is weird because Stephen Boyd scored the third and it was about 25 yards right in the, the top right hand corner it was a great goal if any goal deserved uh, Carnival de Paris to be played afterwards it was it was very much that one but I, Isaac Lane looked good again for Peterhead he, he scored two good goals he he started last season very well for Dumbarton and then faded away. So I thought Peterhead would struggle this season, but based on last night, albeit against terrible opponents, they, they didn't look awful. Is there any other games? Uh, <laughs> Screw you. Take us somewhere else, Sean. You're now the host. Uh, two seconds here. I, uh, Aloha. So Aloha against Edinburgh City. Aloha missed uh, two extraordinary chances. One, especially from... Uh, Liam Buchanan because they were uh, Alwell were leading 1-0 it was uh, I'm trying to think it's good roll I can't actually remember but they, they looked really impressive so they have uh, their attacking options again for a part-time team are, are really impressive we've got Lee Connolly on loan from Sunderland a young guy 20 years old he looks pretty good they still have uh, Liam Buchanan who could probably still come on late in the game and, and do a job Alan Troughton will almost certainly score goals this season Kevin Colley looked really good judging by uh, last night's highlights and they dominated Edinburgh missed a couple of setters Buchanan missed an open goal from four yards uh, before Henderson got the equaliser and it looked like it was going to go to uh, penalties uh, but I think it was Troughton that, that, that scored the winner but again judging by the highlights Aloha looked impressive and I know we I know we said this on a, a, a Patreon earlier but I I was kind of hoping right Wraith will finish above these two part-time teams but Ardbroath and Aloha have both looked decent uh, in, in this Betfred Cup so far. Well, I think you, the, the the thing that our both have going for them is that they've got like probably better than just about any team in the lower leagues, or at least as good as they've got some real good kind of continuity going on there, where they've pretty much retained their entire team from last season, at least like the kind of the real kind of core of that lineup. So unless some of those players drop off, or unless you know. It's kind of a case of you know you, you needed to, to run to stand still uh, then and you know they've, I don't think they've brought in too many players so maybe uh, you know some sort of funk might sit in but otherwise I'd, I'd fancy our both have a, a fairly solid season. Yeah. Another so, uh, oh sorry, Sean. sorry, go on, Andy. No, I was just going to say I saw a few Alloa fans who were quite complimentary about Skugel as well, um, and I think if he. I mean, it's, the, it's that cliche of him being good for that level, but I think he's obviously had a lot of injury problems in the past and didn't really do anything. Uh, St. Johnson, wasn't he, previously? Um, but I think he's the type of person that you know, that might give a, a, a team like Callaway just a, a, an extra wee step from a, an attacking point of view. And I a actually, bit more. I thought he was all right at St. Johnson. I, yeah. I, I think he just couldn't... They couldn't really find anywhere to fit him in that, that mm-hmm. kind of suited him and that he was able to kind of bring, you know, really kind of take the team up a level because I don't, th- he doesn't fit into their kind of under right that was played the four four two well for most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think when he was there, I think that was when they were trying to move away to a four five one, maybe having him playing as like uh, one of the, the number, uh, either number 10 or kind of coming in from uh, one of the wing positions. And I think he was good, but he just didn't do quite enough to, to justify that. And it is part of the kind of four that, St. Johnson 4 that are kind of very good at going back and forward he didn't too kind of slight to fit into that system but I didn't think he was I thought he was decent enough and I 
kind of surprised that he's not. I don't think he's even had another shot at a uh, Premiership team since then, has he? No, uh, no. no that, actually, it was him that scored the opener last night. Uh, I, I was actually, I was surprised at how young he is. I, he seems to have been around forever, but he's only twenty-seven. Uh, and I think he, for what I read, he he wanted to go part time, and uh, I, I I think he'll be. I think he could be a difference maker for for Alva this season. It seems like a great signing. Does he uh, still look like he's about ten? Yes, uh, he looked considerably younger than twenty seven. Uh, uh, one, res- one result that caught my eye, was, or well, more the manner rather than the final result itself, was uh, actually our broth, um away to Ross County. Uh, they were winning. Uh, quite early in the second half, a goal from Dale Hilson and County needing uh, a quick fire double for Ross Stewart to turn it around. County, another team, uh, just kind of saying United. I just think there's a lot of teams in the bottom half of the Scottish Premiership at the moment. I've said they're all shite, they might all be shite. I, I do think that there's maybe one or two that are just in a bit of a funk right now that, that they can't get themselves out of, and it's maybe those two teams that we just talked about United and Ross County because I think that both of them looked pretty good early in the season. And at the moment, I mean, County struggled in this one and this was after the Nerlunkic a, a three-goal lead at the weekend as well. Mm-hmm. I, know I, uh, I, I know I always tipped on Fairman for greatness every summer, but I, w- I was genuinely impressed with them. And I, again, I know they were playing against a, a, a kind of weekend Kilmarnock team, but I know Craig Anderson watched the game as well and, and he thought it looked pretty good. Uh, Dom Thomas again. Uh, created the first goal for you uh, and Money, and then it was Fraser and Money. So as, as much as I've I've talked about players signings that the Fairman have made that, that that I know about that that I think would do well, I didn't know too much about Fraser Money, but he looks like he could be a a decent player as well. He had a decent header for the for the second goal. It was um, McManus that set him up, and then his his free kick looked spectacular until you probably drilled into it and. It, Probably should have been saved, shouldn't it? It definitely should have been saved. The ball is in the air for ages. <laughs> Colin Doyle is his start position isn't even too far away from where the ball actually ends up. It just seems to like well, so they, apparently it's the it's the same disease that affected all Hearts goalkeepers last season, which was they don't have any hands, and that's a that's a major problem uh, for a goalkeeper. Uh, but uh, talking about Kelly, uh, it's. <laughs> I've, yeah, I suppose, I mean, we've seen Hearts put a, a, you know, a kind of reserve side and, and managed to, to find victory. So maybe there is something to be said for Dunfermline's performance, but there is some Kelly players in that team who I have never heard of. And it has to be said as well, uh, Ricky Lord said this to me after we'd finished recording our Patreon bit about Dunfermline, is that he's, he's um, recovering after... Uh, having uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen, and he's saying like, like if I just like, he says I feel fine now, but like if I walk up the stairs, I'm out of breath. Like it's gonna it seems like it's gonna take me take him a while to kind of fully get back to kind of whatever kind of fitness levels he was at before, and it's just a kind of assumption that we think. I also think it's like black and white with this COVID nineteen. Either either you die or you're fine, kind of thing. And I think there is a lot of kind of grey area in the middle where, where people really kind of struggle to kind of catch their breath afterwards, feel quite lethargic, quite run down. And we're expecting these kind of footballers that, that get it to come back in and, and just go right into the team and perform well. And I think Craig Anderson even said himself that the players who did come back in, uh, that they looked a little bit sluggish, that they still might be feeling the effects. And that maybe played something else, played in it as well with, with Don Ferman looking so good. Uh, I'm just urging caution because 
you do this to Dunfermline every season. <laughs> and uh, quite frankly, the Dunfermline fans have had enough of it, Sean. Uh, you, I mean, you could go into something there. Judging by the highlights, the, the first half was uh, probably reasonably even, Stevens. Uh, but the second half, it was just all Dunfermline. I did enjoy... Uh, I didn't enjoy Craig Anderson pulling up the Kilmarnock commentators for saying that they, they really have their work cut out to, to qualify for the next round when it's it's in fact impossible for them to get to the next round. <laughs> and then I, look, I went on the Kilmarnock website and I read their match report and I think the, the, the last sentence in the match report is something along those lines about uh, they've really got their work cut out to, and I hope Craig Anderson doesn't read this. He's already furious about the commentary. I can't believe we've got to this part, although admittedly it's my fault, and we haven't mentioned the 15-14 penalty shootout. Of course. Mm -hmm. It was, by the end of the shootout, the penalty spot was an absolute mess. (laughs) (laughs) The commentators actually said, I wonder if the groundsman wants them to now change ends. At that point, it was like maybe 11-10 or something. It was just like a hole in the ground, the penalty spot. (laughs) This was Estradar against Albion Rovers. Yes. What what happened with the keepers ones? I didn't actually take... I wasn't looking too closely at the the scorers. Uh, they, I, I think they took them reasonably early on. I don't think they, I don't think they lasted. I don't think they waited until the end. Uh, I think Fleming, I think Fleming went, Fleming went about. Uh, Ryan Goodfellow went last for uh, for Albion Rovers, but Fleming Greg, went about ninth. Aye, Fleming went ninth. Hmm. So he can. It now turns out that he can save penalties and score them. Although it, uh, he's got such a good reputation for saving penalties. And then he faced 15 the other night and never saved them. <laughs> do, you know do you know something? The, the, the keepers, they, they didn't really get near any of them. I think there was maybe one that was almost saved, but there were the, the entire game. Actually, I know I went in the, I know I said earlier that watching 20 minutes of Stranraer and Albion Rovers feels like a chore, even if there is 29 penalties involved. But actually, the, the game seemed like it was decent quality, surprisingly decent quality. There was some good football and, and some some good goals but the penalties were the penalties are really high quality surprisingly so yeah okay. sorry Andy go no no you go first I was going to make a more general point okay um, I was just going to make a joke that uh, you have to feel for somebody like somebody and you've seen it before with penalty shoots to go back to start again and I do end up always feeling for the guy who's scored so Conor McManus takes the fourth penalty for Stranraer the pressure penalty the fourth penalty you think right I'll score this uh, that's a score four. They're going to have to, you know, they've got two penalties left. They're about to miss one of them. I think we're in a really good spot here. He then watches as it goes all the way around back to him again. <laughs> and he misses. So you've already scored in the shoot, then you have to take one again. You're like, how the fuck did this happen to me? The penalty was even, the one he missed wasn't even that bad. Uh, it hit the bar a couple of inches lower, and probably would have bounced down the net. Hey, the the uh, the more general point I was going to make was that I found uh, not so much for the Hearts game because it was a big stadium, but I found watching the uh, the other games quite reassuring. So they they feel very normal, and I think a lot of that has to do with what it's usually like watching um, watching games in the lower leagues. But there was uh, there was one of the games that I was watching with Telford last week where somebody was talking about uh, whether they were going to get a pie at half time or not and, and that was the that's the type of just reassuring comforting thing that I want from the lower leagues and it, it made me quite excited to get back it I really did not notice the um, the lack of crowd there was a, there was a kind of because the cameras especially the ones that weren't operated by the, the automated thing there was a there were some people around them. There was a there was a general hum, a light hum around it, which 
made it feel like there was actually people there watching it and that was that was enough for me. It didn't really matter there was nobody behind either goal or on the other side of the, the camera because there was felt like there were some people in the main stand and there was a good chance that there would only be people in the main stand for some of these games anyway. So um, it felt... Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to have this... I've, I've struggled with the bigger teams um, in their games and they felt very strange but I don't think I'm going to have the same issue with the, with the lower league ones thankfully I did like uh, the, I mean there wasn't much to talk about in terms of Air versus uh, Annan Air one where a, a penalty but there was a point where Annan felt that they should they should have got their own penalty and then for just about the next maybe 15 seconds all you could hear was Annan players screaming how the fuck is that not a penalty how the fuck is that not a penalty <laughs> Which I, I, I really enjoyed. That's, like, that's that's one thing that I've not heard enough of. Actually, there was a wee bit where the the mic caught Stephen O'Donnell shouting for a corner uh, yesterday. But I haven't. That's the one thing I've kind of missed. That I've not really heard enough. Just shouting from players. But uh, but yeah, no. I, the 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 one thing I wasn't honestly too bothered about the big Fred Cup this year. But the one thing it has done is made made me quite keen to get the the little league started up again. Well, we don't have to wait long. It's this weekend. Wait, wait until we lose. Wait until we lose two 0 to our growth and get back. To- <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, I know. I'll take. I'll take. I didn't see us playing our growth at all uh, a few months ago. So I'll take. I might take a two 0 defeat to our growth on this occasion. Right. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to Andy and Sean for joining me tonight. If you'd like to get in touch with us or you'd like to follow us, do so on Twitter and Instagram. Both are at Terrace Podcast. And make sure to subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. We recently changed the tiers. Uh, thankfully, Patreon finally uh, allows us to to advert uh, to, to put our tiers into pounds so that's what we've done now uh, the pound uh, the tiers are now two pounds five pound and seven pound so uh, those who are already subscribed up you you still uh, pay the same amount as before so that's perfectly fine and you should even get it for even cheaper because there shouldn't be any conversion fees uh, hopefully fingers crossed uh, but for those joining up you won't have to pay conversion fees as well so that's a bonus bonus for you bonus for us everybody's happy thank fuck bit time patreon jesus christ Everybody's been using that service for ages now. I couldn't believe they couldn't bring it the currency before then. But anyway. Craig, Craig, you sound like a travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no conversion fees on uh, your drachma or whatever it is you're getting. <laughs> and if you don't want to subscribe to the Patreon, uh, please leave us a, do us a solid and leave us a, a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, I've not really asked for that for anybody for a while, but most other podcasts do it, so we should probably as well. Right. Goodbye. Yeah. Right, catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.